Every human being has creativity within, but not everyone feels the call to be an artist. An artist is someone who answers the call to create again and again. And there's beauty and value in that because if to be human is to be creative, who better to learn about creativity than from working artists? I'm your host, Mandy Harmon, a film director, creative marketer, and sometimes with my teeth gritted, consider myself an artist. This is not an interview podcast. Artbreakers is a conversation podcast. Conversing with me in Artbreakers episodes are mostly full-time creative artists of all kinds. Artbreakers aims to share with you the kind of vulnerability that deepens your creative work in meaningful ways, whether or not you identify as an artist. Jasmine Olivo, who goes by Jazzy, is a Dominican singer, songwriter, and actress who began her career at the age of three. After winning numerous singing competitions in her native Dominican Republic, she moved to Utah at the age of 17 and trained with David Schmidt, current head of vocal studios at the University of Utah. In 2005, Jasmine was awarded sixth place in La Academia USA, a musical reality show with Hispanic contestants. She toured the country for a year and then moved to Mexico City, where she debuted on Broadway, cast as Motormouth Mabel in Hairspray the Musical. Since returning to Utah, Jasmine has performed with the Utah Symphony and different local bands. In 2017, Jasmine co-founded a jazz fusion band, The Mix, with pianist Courtney Smith. Courtney was more than just a creative collaborator with Jazzy. He was also her closest artistic confidant and loving partner for seven plus years. Their love inspires me, and so it's with a really heavy heart that I have to share that Courtney passed away in the beginning of 2021 due to COVID, which, as you can imagine, was absolutely devastating to both Jazzy and our music community. Honestly, there's been more than her fair share of tragedy in Jazzy's life, but in many ways, it fuels her music and helps her navigate intense emotions. We talk about her history for the first 20 minutes, and then we get into her artistic process, the importance of resetting, ideas on grief and healing, and why creativity needs silence and space. You can keep up with Jazzy at Jazzy Olivo on Instagram, or listen to her bilingual Spanish-English songs on most platforms. She also recently released the single Broken Bloody Heart, and it's such a magnificent, heartfelt song. So I'm going to play a clip of it at the end of this episode. Let's get into it with Jazzy Olivo. Jazzy, welcome. Hello. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad to be out of the house and have pleasant conversations. Me too. That, that's what this is about. <laughs> this is a conversational podcast about art, spirituality, and stuff that makes you feel. That is cool. <laughs> um, so I, I have a question for you. You're a multifaceted artist. You seems like you've always been this way. Um, you know, how did you grow up? Were you always creative? Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going to tell you like parts of me not remembering. And then when I start remembering, so when I was six months old, I used to um, wake up early in the morning <laughs> and try to harmonize with the pigeons. Really? Yes. So I will wake up the entire neighborhood. <laughs> I will get up on my crib. Everybody was sleeping. It was like very early, six in the morning, and the pigeons will start cuckooing, you know, like cuckoo. And I will start to try to harmonize cuckoo or something. And that was actually my first word, you know, cuckoo, cuckoo, and trying to harmonize with them. So then after that... Your first that, word was singing. Yeah, my yeah. first word, and I always refer to this. Mm -hmm. I always say singing is my first language. And because 
before I could formulate mm -hmm. words, I was formulating melodies. Mm -hmm. and, and you grew up in the Dominican Republic. I grew so up in Spanish. Yes. Uh, I grew up in the Dominican Republic. And then it was very evident that mm -hmm. I was just going to be a musician. My dad was an engineer. Mm -hmm. um, but he was a self-taught musician. Was he supportive and too? He, he had was. His own creative side. Yes. Oh. Since the moment he realized that I was going to, that I had this artistic uh, vein in me, he was like, "Oh, this is it." You know, like she is this. So he was my first mentor until I was three years old that I started taking piano lessons. So although I was a singer, I started. My first um, professional approach to music was through piano instead mm -hmm. of vocals. But at three years old, I got up on stage and I played the piano and I sang for the first time. That's the first memory I have of performing. How did that feel? Do you it remember? Was, it was, I remember the entire audience and uh, it was a school, of course, <laughs> and... I remember, what I remember the most was my dad at the end of the room with his arms crossed, looking at me and just smirking and looking nervous because he coached me to yeah. get there, you know, because I couldn't read the words, so I had to memorize them. And, Did you feel like pressure from your dad to like be really good at it already? Yes. Very quickly. Okay. Yes, immediately, because right after that, um, so he was like, if you're going to pursue this, you know, we're going to help push you to be really good. At you it. have to yeah. be good. At three years is, old. Yes, you nuts. have to be good. So what he did, he's like, okay, so we're starting with the piano. And I was like, okay, great. So he took me to uh, a piano teacher and she's like, she's three. She can't even read. She needs to at least read the vowels, you know, to be able to take classes. And he's like, that's all she needs. Okay, can she come tomorrow and do an admission test with you? She's like, she's three. She'll do it. So we studied for 24 hours and I memorized everything. And then next day I showed up to her and she gave me an admission test and I passed. And that's when I started taking piano lessons yeah. for, from her for 10 years. Oh, okay, so she was a mentor to you too. Your she first was, one was your dad. She and was a mentor for me. Um, it and was your mom cool. was supportive too. She was like my mom. Jazzy's a uh, musician. You can see it in her soul. She was. She, my mom didn't understand it because my mom doesn't have much of a musical vein in her. She was able to to see that I was very passionate and very charismatic. But she, she, I think she, she couldn't understand it. My dad was a musician, yeah. uh, so he was able to to kind of feel it better. Um, my mom never said no, don't do that, but didn't always get it. But did support you. As yeah, best. like oh, it, yeah, yeah it, it, mm -hmm. yeah, it did supported me, but. I guess didn't really understand it, but yeah, I, that's how it started. That's my first memories. That's amazing. So what, ha what happened after that? You kept singing and kept, I kept playing piano. I kept singing. I kept on being on every single, um, show, uh, concert in my town. Cause I lived in a very little town. I was born in the capital in my country, but then 
I moved when I was a year old to a very small touristic uh, town called Puerto Plata. Mm. Um, it's, it's called the Silver Port, which is really cool. And I lived there for like six years. And so I was part of every single activity from school, from everything, you know, like singing, dancing. Um, I remember I you had... loved it. Huh? And you loved it. I loved it. I didn't care. I had to be practicing the piano for like five hours. I, I was, I was, I'm the youngest of seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm the youngest of seven. Uh, all of my siblings are 10 plus years older than me. So it gave me the, the, the right time to just concentrate on my artistry because I was alone a lot because I was surrounded by adults. Youngest so, of seven, but almost like because the age gap and only kid. Almost, yes. At least in Europe when yeah, you were growing up, Yeah, I was up, the right? only kid yeah. and I grew up being the only That's kid. That's such a different upbringing than probably the, you know, the, the top five yes. siblings, you know, the completely, oldest five. Completely, completely. Yeah. It's similar in my family. I'm from seven. You are? I'm, yeah, I'm the oldest of seven. Right, and I had a totally different. Oh, you have the opposite. Then oh the, my young, God. the uh, exact opposite. The youngest, he is five. He is five, and he is going to have a totally different childhood than I did. Yes, because he's going to be friends with his cousins, and he's not going to have a bajillion siblings around because they'll have grown up. No, it's so oh, different. Wow, and yes, and even your relationship, at least my relationship with my siblings, they are my siblings, but there are this kind of like mix between uncles and siblings mm -hmm. and cousin-ish. That makes sense. I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird because they're older. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Different phases of life. The, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Has it changed since, since you've become an adult because they're all adults too? Has that kind of you know, close the gap a little bit? It has closed, uh, gotten us a little closer. Yeah. Um, but I'm still the kid. I still yeah. don't know what I'm yeah. talking about. Are they, are, are, do, do they pursue any artistic stuff too? Yes. On yeah. my dad's side. I am the youngest of seven, but my dad had a first marriage and had three kids. And my mom had maybe multiple marriages and had three kids. Then divorced and met each other and had me. Mm -hmm. So I am the youngest of seven, but I am an only child between my dad and my mom. Mm, that makes sense. So I have six half siblings. Mm -hmm. So my oldest, my older brothers from my dad's side, um, the all three of them play mm -hmm. instruments. And one of them uh, pursued music uh, with a rock band, uh, a while ago and yeah he lived his rock star life for a while nice. and he's a bass player mm -hmm. uh, the other two are guitarists mm -hmm. um there's no one vocalist so i take that <laughs> nice you take it that's yours <laughs> i take it but yeah only from my dad's side um i've never been able to collaborate with my with my siblings in, in terms of music. Mm. Uh, I remember when I was like 14 years old, I told my, my brother, Hey, you have a studio record my first single. Come on, come on. 
I have it. I have all the lyrics. I have everything. And he's like, that's the last thing I will do for you. Oh, I don't want. Yes, I don't want you to. Yes, it was the worst. I I remember I I cried and cried Uh and cried, and it was hard for me because he was this big rock star in my country, and I'm like, this is my opportunity, you know. Um, but he's like, I don't want this career for you. Mm. I he's protective, maybe. Yeah, uh, this is. One of the hardest things that I've ever done, and I want you to direct your energy into something else, and mm-hmm. a bunch of nonsense yeah. to me. Yeah, still today. Yeah. but <laughs> you still want to live what you want to do. That's your yeah, choice. Yeah, right? it was my you choice. Felt like he was making that for you. Maybe. So yeah, I did get discouraged from music a little bit. Yeah, but whatever. When I was nine years old, when I was nine years old, um. I went to choir rehearsal from school. And when I came home, uh, I started, like, sat down in my parents' room to watch cartoons while my dad was laying down taking a nap. And then a few hours later, when I tried to wake him up, I realized he was dead. You were nine? I was nine. Wow. So that was um, a very traumatic experience for me where I didn't have the the space to express myself or to be nurtured or to be taken care of enough to to pass through that experience and to find ways to heal myself in better ways, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was... Like you didn't have the tools yet. I mean, you I were only nine. I was only nine yeah. and I had to figure out all the things, you know? Yeah. So then... And after, where, where was your mom at this point? My mom was with me. Um, but were you kind of... It sounds like, and this sometimes happens with youngest kids, they take a lot of responsibility for the parents. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, Completely. And, and sometimes Completely. that can change the, the dynamic. And Each, maybe for better or worse, you know, sometimes yeah. for worse. Um, I remember, and I think I've never said this um, publicly, but I guess by saying this, it can help maybe other adults having perception of, of what kids can can go through because I remember the day my dad passed that I went to wake him up. My, my mom was also next to me by this point, she was back home and we went to wake him up and he was limp, you know, like I I couldn't, um, so sudden and unexpected. yeah, Yeah. He was sleeping and then he wasn't sleeping. So of course my mom went into, chaos you know Mm -hmm. and crying and and all this stuff and i remember some doctors that lived next to us came over and tried to resuscitate which i was peeking from from a door trying to see what they were doing while my mom was crying but then when i remember when they said no he's 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 dead and i remember sitting down in our living room by myself and one of my mom's cousins that was there, she came to me and she said, you need to go and get some sandals for your mom. Your mom needs to wear some 
shoes. And I'm like, huh? She's like, yeah, you go right now and, and get her something to wear. And I'm like, crap. All of my mom's shoes are in my, in her room. And my dad is laying there dead. And you're not like dead. People are scary. Mm-hmm. Although he's my dad, dead people is scary. Yeah. You know what I mean? They see, you see him on movies. So I remember like trying to like pray to God that he wouldn't wake up. That he wouldn't wake up. Oh, because, because <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to be dead, but then to be dead and then to wake up. That's no, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's, that's not, you only that's see this thing on movies. Yeah. And you you're know, nine years old. I'm nine yeah, years old. Makes... I was watching cartoons. Yes. The, yeah. the last thing oh. prior to that, I was wa- watching the Jetsons. Hmm. You've got a memory like a steel trap. You really yeah, do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So I remember I went around the bed and he was laying there and I just, I, I, I praying, please, dad, don't get up. Please, dad, don't, don't get up. And I grabbed the shoes and I, re- I remember I threw it to where my mom was and that's the last memory of that night I have. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think I went into into shock, yeah. you know? And it just stopped my crea- my dad was my mentor, yeah. so it just like created a whole change in in my soul because i needed to focus on other things you know like mm-hmm. um, did you feel like you could go back to music or you couldn't go back to music for a while because- i was trying because i kept on taking piano but i'm telling you like this is this podcast is gonna call <laughs> i don't know <laughs> the sad life of jazzy <laughs> <laughs> but it's true you know like then my teacher piano teacher had a car accident a year later and he lost fingers. What? Which is a little bit important to play piano. For a piano Poor teacher. Guy. He lost three fingers. And I was like, and so I don't. couldn't be your teacher anymore. No. And now you're 10. It, and now you're I'm still 10. Music. Now I'm 10. On your and own. my mom. Was like, you know what? I can't afford any mm. other teacher. And I was like, oh, I don't want to. I don't, actually, I don't want none of this. Mm. So I quit music. I quit piano completely. Uh, didn't touch the piano ever again. Ever again. Um, to this day. Till this day. Mm. Well, till two weeks ago that I started playing the piano again. Oh, really? Yeah. But... um. I kept on the singing uh, in school. It was uh, really hard not to do it because we always had opportunities and events and and this and that. And they knew my talent. And even if I said yeah. no, they were just like Jasmine, but you're the vocalist and da da da. So I I was pretty very involved on on that. But and you had some community love and support too, like some it seems at the events you were doing and. Yeah? Question mark? <laughs> it seems like you were also just kind of doing it all on your own. And I have okay. and I'm just what trying to figure out how is, a ten year old was. What happens this off. is that um then at twelve years old, my mom moved to Utah. Okay. And then two months later, my sister moves with her. And then um I stayed with my grandmother. 
and it was it was my the beginning of my teens so that's why i'm saying like music i i just needed to survive i needed to mm -hmm. i was in a very um strict school i was in catholic very academical very strict school so i needed to keep up with that and even socially and culturally in school it's a catholic school families united and all this stuff and i had this chaos in my life that i needed to just like try to keep it together mm -hmm. so i really didn't have an emotional support but i had a roof and a place to stay at I guess that's one step. That's a step. I'm glad you had that. I'm very glad you had that. Yeah, I and my mom will send me Did you money sing in choir to go at the Catholic school. Yeah, I was part of the choir. I was the one of the spokespersons. Yeah. I was the first person who recorded the anthem of the school in a studio. When did you? Was there like a moment that you can think of when you? thought, oh, I'm an artist or I'm a musician, like as an identity, like, or did it kind of just happen naturally? Cause it seemed like that's almost always how it was for you. Yeah. You know? I, what, what was that? A lot of people like ask me this, like, when did you say, Hey, you're going to be an artist and you're going to be on stages and, and all this stuff. I've n I never thought of that. Yeah. It was just, is my first language. Yeah. So even the acting part, even the, the voiceover, the dancing, all of it, it's, it's all I've done mm -hmm. my entire life. So I don't know a difference of, yeah. of, it's so core that, yeah. Can't, and yeah. I even talk about it in therapy, Mandy, cause I'm like, what is this person? You know what I mean? Like who, who, Ooh, who I am. I get, yeah. um, yeah. Cause sometimes Cause you're exploring other identities and how these identities maybe affect your art. Yeah. Or, or, or the normality of a human being, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes interferes with me cause I've, I, I don't fit in mm -hmm. usually in terms of thoughts or, or ways of doing things and i think it happens to all musicians you know to every or not to all musicians to everyone who is connected to the art because it the arts takes you elevates you to another dimension mm -hmm. that in this dynamic that we have in this dimension is kind of a little mm -hmm. hard to to mix do you see that as a power that comes from within or is it outside of yourself where does that like inspiration come from? Where does that drive? Because it's always been there for you. Yes. So, uh, the way I can describe it. Um, okay. I'm going to use a little bit of my spirituality on this. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the, the arts, the, the creations, and when you create something in this case, like music mm -hmm. or like vocal melodies, um, it's something that you can, you cannot grab or you can't see. You can just hear mm. and feel. So because of that, um, I totally understand that it's a form of power magic that comes from the universe yeah. where not everyone is chosen. 
Is it something that you tap into? Yes. Because it's not like, it's just like your idea. Sometimes the idea finds you. Yes. I see. Um, yeah. I feel myself as the vessel yeah. that can put, can translate that emotion or that energy that comes to me. And I'm even getting goosebumps by saying this, like that feeling that comes to me from the cosmos, from the air, from the, whatever it is, whatever it's, it gives this magic and I transform it and I translate it for people on that, this dimension for them to be able mm -hmm. to interpret. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've listened to your music. I think it comes through. <laughs> I think it does. So, but yes, I do have a responsibility mm -hmm. on that. And it's my terrenal or like earth responsibility. Mm -hmm. I'm a human and I have the power. I do have to um, shape it. Mm -hmm. I have to educate it. I have to expose it. I have to share it and I have to keep it sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is my responsibility, but it's not my entire power. Mm. Mm -hmm. where, do, where do you get a lot of your ideas and inspiration? Like it, meaning some people like to go for walks. Some people mm -hmm. like to, you know, there's lots of ways that we inspire our creative minds or our artist child, if you will, mm -hmm. um, to keep us excited and passionate about it. What are some of those things that you do that, where you're more likely to catch on to those ideas that they float by and are like, oh, oh, it came to me. Or like, when does that normally happen? Do you wake up in the middle of the night? Is it the early mornings? When does that happen for you? <laughs> Look, um, it's, I, I have different um, parts of my artistry, you know, like my career, uh, to say it better. Because the initial part of my career, I wasn't a songwriter. You know, I mm -hmm. was an interpreter. And uh, I got to interpret other people's songs and I got to act and interpret uh, plays in Broadway and things like that mm -hmm. and all that. But then... Um, I was able to separate myself from that, quit all of that, stop all of that, mm -hmm. and focus on what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. So now I am this, you know what I mean? Like I lived this two parts of my artistry. So now in terms of my creativity, where it comes from when I write, I write entirely from my heart and mm -hmm. I get inspired a lot by the pain. Mm -hmm. Happiness doesn't inspire me a lot, mm -hmm. but pain definitely drives me and mm -hmm. pushes me. As much as I complain about pain, um, I guess I'm very comfortable with pain because I've known pain very well. Yeah, and, and in a way it's inevitable, right? But and you in know, your life it's been particularly inevitable. It is, yeah. so I guess it's, I. My my ability to transform pain into mm -hmm. melodies, that's what inspire, in, inspires mm -hmm. me, I guess. Um, morning, Is there ever any conflict over that for you that you don't get as inspired by more positive emotions? Does that ever take a drain? Uh... Or is it just that that's how you move through it? That's how the pain moves through you almost? I think so. I it's think necessary. so. It gives me perspective of of the, the yin yang of life. Cause mm -hmm. my personality, I am a very, 
um, sparkle or, or I'm full of energy and I'm always smiling and I'm always like finding on the outside, the positive of things. But then on the other side, I have these contracts that doesn't line up with this other part of me, but it's what feeds this other part of me. Mm -hmm. So with pain, and we don't have to go deep into this yeah. specifics, but when you are experiencing pain, painful experience experiences, is that often when, because sometimes I'm sure that there are times when pain is just pain and you just have to feel it. You can't mm -hmm. turn it into something else. Mm -hmm. But then other times you might have the energy to turn it into something else. How do you, how do you work with that? Like, does it, does it directly inspire new music for you? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes doesn't. Yeah. Um, I, I think of your song, and we don't have to talk about this song, but yeah. I love this song uh, from you. Uh, called Broken Bloody Heart. Yes. Mm, that one just mm, it touches my soul. Uh, it's very emotional. It's very full. Yes. It's kind of the only way to really describe it. And it seems about many things, but heartbreak on many, many levels is yep. a part of it. Is that kind of an example of yes. like pain that you had in your life that you turned into music? Yes. Um, Broken Bloody Heart, it's... Um, okay. <laughs> To put in, like, understanding, like, what you were saying. For example, I never have written a song, a painful song, that I'm currently going through it yeah. in the it moment. Has to be later. No, I cannot do it. You can't no, experience no, no. and retroactively look at it. No, with your experience, there is yeah. just no makes, way. Um, I do take notes of what I'm mm. feeling in the moment. Yeah. I do... Are you a journaler? I do am. You, okay. Do, are you able to, like, go back and almost put yourself into the headspace where you were before. And, yes. But it's almost probably better because you have more control later on. Yes, you know, I'm emotionally more the... stable than mm -hmm. what I was or in a different place yeah, than sense. what I was there. But yes, I've always been, uh, I always like to journal. Um, so yeah, I do do go back to that, those emotions. Broken, bloody heart, it's exactly what I went through. I did this in collaboration with Cornelia Smith, mm -hmm. um, my partner and, um, partner and fantastic, phenomenal. Yes. And that, um, unfortunately we miss so freaking much, yeah. but he yeah, was, he, unfortunately for, for context passed away last year due to COVID. Yes. Actually he passed away this January. Oh, this January. Yes. It was this January yeah. at the end of last year, huh? So, um, yeah, um, he, it was, it was this song, especially this song, it was hard for me because I wanted to, to write a song that will completely talk about what I was going through in a more raw way. And I was still, even though my, Courtney was my partner, it is my partner. creative collaborator and, too. Exactly. But even though this song wasn't about anything that happened with Courtney, it was a crazy collaboration to to collaborate with my partner, current partner, about something that I went through with someone else. Mm -hmm. But it worked, you know? It, it does, worked. I couldn't do done it alone, you know? Because there were so many parts that I couldn't do done it alone. And actually, <laughs> we when we wrote that song... Um, we were laughing the entire time because we couldn't <laughs> understand how we were trying to rhyme such a dark feelings, you know, <laughs> when we weren't feeling this way. So it was, it was, a 
it was it wasn't when it was written it wasn't written from pain in the moment but it was totally related in um and based on my personal experience and in my journals do you feel like um something that i've tried to do in my life when i have like negative experiences or difficult experiences and i kind of reflect on them later um i feel like and it sounds like this might have been the case you you had a really positive experience kind of reliving that do you feel like that kind of gave you some closure or sort of like a a new perspective to you know not necessarily move on but like to put that experience in a new light you know with your new partner and, and everything kind of like make something better out of it you know totally totally it it helped me put like uh put a door on that to not allow other things to um sip through my current emotions um also it was a very healing it was healing because that experience that i lived i how do you call it like i guilted myself you know like you when something doesn't work out you do take a lot of responsibilities but then there's so many things that were normalizing to that chaos that you take responsibilities that weren't that wasn't your responsibility so i guess i was carrying some of that even though i i removed myself from the situation and actually putting putting this into a song and expressing it from my perspective from my feelings it was so liberating and it was also validating mm -hmm. so yeah totally put a a, a sh closed chapter in my life i think the word heal like you mentioned i think that kind of puts that into yeah context. which i'm a very weird with the word heal <laughs> Why is that? You know why? Because I'm an actor. Mm. And healing, it's about repeating certain activities that can help you, quote, quote, overcome this or transforming something mm -hmm. into something better. Mm -hmm. um, but to do that, you have to fake a lot and get into a different character. So you're just kind of like, covering the pain mm -hmm. and drawing certain things around it to make it look like it's healed, but it's not healed. Uh, you know, this makes me think, I'm working on a documentary, I mentioned this to you, uh, about endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And that's a condition, affects a lot of women. Uh, I just got diagnosed with it recently after you know years of trying to figure that out. And I was talking to my mom about the documentary and she said, Mandy, I'm, I'm so happy you're working on this documentary. It gives like some meaning to the yes. pain, is what she said. And I didn't like that at all. I was like, meaning to the pain. I was like, mom, sometimes pain just happens. Like I, if, if in order for the pain to be worth it, I have to take it and make something out of it. No, that, 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 that isn't, then that isn't don't meaning. take my pain away. And then don't, yeah, then don't <laughs> take my pain away. Cause that's, cause that's not an actual way to process it. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, sometimes, sometimes things just suck. Sometimes yep. pain is just pain. And that there isn't inherently anything immoral about that, but it's no. just it, to be experienced. It's just part of the human experience and it's miserable sometimes. And it's, sometimes it's okay to be miserable. You know, yes. we don't have, sometimes I think that there can be a bit of like a toxic positivity push. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're experiencing grief or pain, you need to get over it as fast as possible. Yeah. 
I just don't buy into that. I, I don't, don't think that that's human. I don't think that that's realistic. And I don't think that that's the full spectrum of emotion because we're not meant to only feel a few things. I think that the more we feel, the more our capacity to feel more grows. The more pain that you feel, I think that the more joy you can also potentially feel. What do you think about all that? Totally. It's about perspective. Yeah. And it's not about like, oh, I went through this pain and because I overcame, I'm better. No, 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 no. It's just a different day. Internally, there is so much mm -hmm. behind it. It's almost additive rather than it is. Yes. The but other day, someone um, told me in regards to, to losing my partner, he said, hey, sis, it's time to start healing. And I was mm -hmm. like, that was very recent. What is healing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He proceeds to explain what is healing, you know, like it's turning scars into something different. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, living every day, not thinking about what you've lost is about what you can accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but how? Yeah. How would you, how would you define healing? Because... I On don't one, define healing. I don't believe in healing. You don't believe in healing? No. What do, so do you think that pain is scars and scars stick around? And Sticks around. Always, you can yeah. put band-aids and draw around mm -hmm. it. Stay there. Yeah. I lost my dad when I was nine. Yeah. I did all of the healing process. I turned through the darkest part of my life. I took that and I took him and I turned me mm -hmm. into jazzy. Mm-hmm into Jazzy Olivo mm -hmm. and I created music. I went through places, I lived my life. That seems like healing, but that, that doesn't mean like, you have to be over it though, I but, think. No, right? that seems like healing, but it wasn't healing. It took a lot of shit yeah. from me that I'm still paying for it. Yeah. So healing doesn't happen. The word genuine. healing is not a genuine word. I went to our Google mm -hmm. and he said, I typed in healing and he says, the process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. Mm. Okay. So you can be healthy and not be over something though. The process, the process of, of becoming healthy again. So it is the process. I guess I that's my saying. point. You know, like when you say to someone who's hurting, yeah, what you're telling them, it's like maybe you should start being more, regain your abilities to be normal again but the internal part of it it's you're actually putting a band-aid to get up and start moving on to that i have a question after you've kind of after you experienced losing your dad still pursuing music and eventually and eventually being able to create music that might have been inspired by that event but it was way down the line is that not a healing process in a way? Even though it's not like required or you didn't have to do that, like isn't that kind of a healing process for you? It's a validating process. Validates but, my hurt. Mm, but again, it's not a there. healing. Look, the Chinese, or I think, I hope I'm saying this right, <laughs> but I think um, when some other, like something made of crystal breaks, they glue it back. They don't oh, the throw cracks, it away. Right? And like paint the gold cracks or something? Yeah. I've seen that. They glue, glue it back. So they are actually letting you know it's broken. Mm -hmm. 
that it still has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it was that you can still use it, but it was into pieces like that. You every time you grab that cup, you will see that cup that is broken. You still can use it to drink water. But it's broken. But it has a new but kind would, of a, a new care a new meaning to it. It's like but now it's, it's broke. It's hurt. It's broken, but now it's different. Some people might think that's cool, you know, like it looks cooler. So something has changed about it that has added some value to it, at least to some people. But the value, I don't know that 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 could be debated all day. Again, I mean, it goes back to yeah, <laughs> I, that could be debated all day. That's that's it's, interesting. It's, I like that. I like that analogy though. It's different. Yeah, I, I really I really like that analogy. A broken bowl, piece of pottery gets glued back together. And I've seen versions where they like paint the lines, the cracks where they were gold, and they embrace it. And the that, bowl still the broken. bowl is still a broken bowl. One thing is that you can put the pieces together and make it usable. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that maybe if whole. you maybe if you like tap it against something, it will break faster than what yeah. it broke the first time. Because it's been weakened. Yeah. So it... But wood glue is actually stronger than wood. So <laughs> that's when it comes healing. What is that power that gives you that strong go- go- gorilla glue that will make that shit never break again? Oh, I don't know if I believe... I don't know if I believe in that. <laughs> right? I, I don't think... I mean, I'm just saying... Wood glue is stronger than wood. Some, if you hit that thing again, it, the, the, the wood will break before the wood glue. Yeah. So you don't have to use wood glue. You could use wood glue. You could use Elmo's glue and it would fall apart easily. I think you know, everyone can kind of glue their pieces together in the way that they would like to. And there's differences. Whether that's good or bad, that, that's, not, that's not the point. It's just it, something has changed. Yeah. Here's here's kind of where I'm going with the, with all this. Here's here's kind of where I'm headed with all this. I like this tea. I like it. This is fun. Yeah, this is fun. This is fun. I didn't expect to go on this tangent, but I'm glad we're here. Um, I think the reason why, and I'm trying to understand what you're saying. I think that the reason why we're having a hard time being like, oh, healing is what's next. That's the way to just make it worth it. That's the way to progress again after something terrible has happened. I think that the reason why sometimes I get a little bit concerned with that mentality is, yes, maybe there is always something we can do, but then sometimes we really cannot do something. Sometimes we just have to be. Sometimes we just have to sit in that and experience it, and that fucking sucks. But that's not healing, that's just experience. Because you cannot experience healing without experience every, everything. And so I think I, I'm, I'm lined with you where sometimes there's this pressure to heal immediately, from everyone else on the victim. Yeah. When, the, when the victim is just the victim and sometimes just needs to experience things in their own way. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that, I mean, I know it gets a little complicated, right? Because I mean, ultimately someone can only control what they can control, but, but, you ha- but then there's all these things that that person cannot control and it just happened. Yeah. Like me sitting here today can be interpreted as a form of healing. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? You're talking about art. You're talking about grief. That could I, be it. I got out of my house. Yeah. After, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I made it here. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm good at making it look. I'm, my band-aids are super cool. Mm-hmm. They got me here mm-hmm. but today. The cracks are still there. But the cracks are, 
they're fresh enough that probably by the time we're done here, I go back home and crowd up on my bed and be mm-hmm. keep on being broken. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I've done multiple yeah. concerts since my boyfriend passed without him on stage, yeah. you know, and you can see me. Fool. Yeah. She's on the way of healing. No, dude. I'm mm. a musician. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So that's why I'm a little weird with the word. But I'm not going to change you guys otherwise. <laughs> no, I no, I no. think that there is some value in that though, right? It, I mean, it, it's, it's not the same at all. So I, I'm not even trying to compare it at all. Yeah. But, I mean, you didn't ask. To, you didn't ask to have what happened to you in January and lose your partner. You didn't ask for that. No. You know, um, people often don't ask for the pain that just gets kind of thrust upon them. You know, and again, this is not the same. You know, but I don't ask for a disease, for instance, to exactly. give me pain for you know 10, 10 years and only just now figure out what it is. I didn't ask for that. Um, that doesn't mean that I can't learn from it, and that doesn't mean that uh, you know that there that there isn't a mixed bag. Like maybe in a way that there has been positive lessons from it. There has. But would I ask for it? No. 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 I just, you just have to live with, mm-hmm. with it anyways. Yeah. And I think that's where maybe resilience is a different... You are very resilient. I and am very And maybe that is, that is the bull metaphor is when it is put back together, even though the cracks are still there, it is resilient because it was put back together and it's yeah. still a bull. Yeah. And it's still a bull and it can still hold something. Yeah. Like yeah. the songs that I've written in the last nine months yeah. has been like on the floor crying, contemplating my life. And then I'm like, oh, but that sounds like a good idea. Let me write that down. Yeah. So probably that's part of my unknown resilience. Yeah. 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 Personally, I will just like stay with the word. Resilience. Living. Or living. Mm. Even when people ask me, hey, Jazzy, how are you? I'm okay. Mm. Because the whole thing of saying good. Yeah. Because there's so many things that we say that we... Don't That mean. comes out of our mouths just because we're used to say them. But necessarily, we don't feel it. So, if anything I'm getting from this process, at least now, is actually expressing what I'm not feeling. Mm. Mm. I see. I see. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So no, I like those are good up. insights. Those, yeah. those are good insights. Insights. <laughs> insights. Those are great insights, Jazzy. Really, I love. I, I love it's that. interesting. I wonder if artists, when they have these experiences, how do they think of them compared to people who maybe aren't as creative? I, I'm not. I'm not asking your question. I'm just. It's interesting that people have different perspectives on it. I think on an intuitive level artists tend to be more in touch with the the flow and emotion of things. Not always, but as a general rule, when I think culturally we try to numb emotions otherwise and we try to always be good and we try to always keep it together and we value outcomes and productivity as the main benchmarks of how successful a person is or how good a person is, how functional they are. Yep. You know, their worth is defined by this. And I think that on an inherent level, artists try to fight that. Mm-hmm. I totally relate to what you just said. Kind of the, the mindset of society is to, okay, we have something bad, 
get over it yeah. so you can go back to work, you know, back to the office, because mm-hmm. that event is preventing you from doing... From performing. Yeah, you know, producing productivity mm-hmm. um, or consuming. And that um, is bad. And that is... It's, 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 it could be everything from, like, bad to lazy to, like, to... Um, just not enough, mm-hmm. right? Like yes. you should be able to work harder and try harder and just mm-hmm. get over it, you know, yeah. put it aside. We almost glorify when like someone's working so hard, they miss like the birth of a kid, you know? And I'm like, why yeah. are we glorifying yeah. this? That's that's a real hustle. Like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm on three hours of sleep. Oh, I'm on two hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just getting really over that. No, really over and it's that. true. But I think that's another big driver for these kinds of conversations. Well, uh, that is how we're trained to live in this society that we have to be always grinding and showing how much work you're putting into something and how much hours you're investing into this. And even not being able to disconnect your work Mm -hmm. from your personal life. Because if a kid goes to school for for 12 years from 7.30 in the morning till 2, working, and then has to come home where he needs to, it's his time to express himself, to do things about home, environment, passions, play, play anything. They have to go back to what they were doing the entire morning and make sure they finish it so then in the morning they start all over again. Mm-hmm. So when do you disconnect and you start finding your own passions and your mm-hmm. own things? You talked about this a little bit in your TEDx talk about finding rhythm in the silence. Like you almost needed to be alone and give yourself the space yes. to not be or not do anything yes. so you could learn what you did want to do and be. Yes. Is that, is that kind of what... Yes, and I'm back to it now. Yeah. For me, it's a form of going into my anatomy and everything and my functions of my body and feeling it. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Do you firm... feel things very physically? Like, yes. Like, I feel a lot of anxiety in my stomach. Yes. I feel a lot of grief in my throat. You yes. know, like, do you kind of feel... My things... chest, yeah. my hands, my, my, my head, yeah. my legs. Um, they, they mean so many different things for me and I have to listen to my body and I have to listen to nature. Mm. Nature, it's... That helps keep, keep that balance maybe a little bit. To keep it together. Um, it totally The healing power of nature. Now that, there we could use a healing word. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? I'm going to tell you when I lived in Mexico City, uh, although I love Mexico City and... And and was this at the, was this around the time that uh, you were on lots of shows and stages, like doing a lot of performing, right? This is, okay, I, during my teenage years, I wasn't really doing anything, only school time. And then when I was 17, I moved to Utah and I stayed here, whatever. And then at 22, I signed up for this uh, reality TV show that it was like a mixture of uh, American Idol and Big Brother and I was awarded six plays on that. And mm-hmm. then I came back and I toured it. And then I moved to Mexico City when I was like 24. I see. So, But you were involved in, 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 in Spanish media though yes, for a while. I've been, yes, yeah. yes. So when I was living in Mexico, I remember I got this, uh, the Blackberry phones came out. Uh-huh. And I was like, I saved all my money. To get me that Blackberry because I needed that BBP. <laughs> and then maybe some like if any Gen Z is watching this, they're like, huh? <laughs> What's a Blackberry? <laughs> BBP? 
<laughs> so I got my Blackberry. And then six months later, I lost it. Oh, and I was like, ah, oh, dang it. No, no, no. Um, I'm going to get money from my savings and I'm going to get me another one. I got me another one. Three months later, I'm walking on the street and someone snatched my phone from Out my your hand, hand and started running. Bro. And I was running after him like, oh my fucking get my phone. No, no, no. And nobody did anything. I remember I even tracked him because you were able to track him. He was in a restaurant, but I was too afraid to go and and yeah. face him because he was in my street. A little scary. So after losing two blackberries and all that, I was like, I'm not going to take more money out of my savings. You know what? Um, I was starting into my spirituality and getting to know myself and whatever. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to get a phone. And I'm not going to get a phone for, what, a year. Well, I'm going to be without a cell phone. This is a sign that I shouldn't have a cell phone. If anyone ha- wants to communicate with me, they have to send me an email or call me on my house phone. What year is this? A landline. <gasps> I'm so bad at years, but I'm, I was like about 26. So okay. what is, I'm 37, yeah, <laughs> maybe like 11. Ago, so, so mid 2000s. Yeah. Early so, but 2000s. this was the time where people were starting to use phones. Like, yes. Okay. And I was like, no. Yeah, like 2005-ish. Yeah. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to buy me another phone. I'm going to experience life like this. And at the same time, I was like, oh, but I... I don't, I don't wear watches. Then how am I going to know the time when I'm out and about? I'm like, well, the sun is there for a freaking reason. <laughs> You're like, maybe Sundial. I just won't have a clock on me. Ooh. So Bold I lived choice. a year without a phone and without a clock. And I relied on the sun position. Mm-hmm. Did that feel, um, wait, I, I do want to know about that because I romanticize this idea of even just having a day, a month at least off my phone. And I probably normally do, but I romanticize it where I want it more because sometimes it's just exhausting, right? <laughs> to have this always available thing. It is a lot, yeah. Thing, you know? Um, and I just think about, sometimes I'm just like, ah, oh, I just want to get rid of it <laughs> yes. forever. Yes. What was that like? Was there, is that that silence that you were talking about in your TEDx yes. talk? Now, especially, it's ubiquitous to go to your phone, pull up social media in downtime, right? But when you don't have your phone, you still have that same downtime. You still have that awkward amount of 20 minutes between an appointment or the two hours here or the one hour there. What ended up happening in that year when it was In that year, in that year, um, artistically, I, well, I got into Broadway. Nice. I auditioned for Broadway Mexico and I became Mother Mouth Mabel from Hairspray. Fun. And then I was an entire year like that. And then after that, I went into Aladdin and then I went on tour and then I I started doing Broadway stuff and I became this this artist, you know, and I was able to film me, you know, like to, to know what I was about. Cause even though I, 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 I've always been very certain about my talent and what I do, but you get lost. You, Mm. you, you don't find purpose. And I think that helped me find purpose to sit down Mm. with my own mind and my own body and experiencing me. 
yeah. in life in in no silence necessarily like quiet everything down you know like turn everything off but just allowing myself yeah. to feel the natural sounds of life without being Presence. stimulated by other things yeah. you know um and like what i was saying like going out and then like looking at the sun and then mm-hmm. i'm like oh but i need sunglasses and no, you actually don't need sunglasses because you have eyelashes and your eyelashes are not only for mascara. They're mm-hmm. actually to cover your eyes for such a thing like this or things that we don't really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, I thrive to on observe, that. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, you know, that is something that as a baseline, when you live life with connection, mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, mm. and I think uh, I think that these devices, these phones, I do think I really do truly think that they can get in the way sometimes. They because do because we can just you know you know we 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 build them to game us right. We build them so we spend more time on on them. Like yes. we're purposefully doing this to ourselves, and sure enough, it works. You know, we have uh, if I don't delete apps off my phone, I will go to those apps when I have a minute. And you know what happens when I don't have those apps on my phone? I go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I go to a notebook or I go to uh, a computer or sometimes I just lay down and just stretch or do whatever I want. It, but it doesn't matter. I'm doing something else. You know, it doesn't matter if it's that productive or not because it's, I'm able to just be. Breathe. Breathe. Feel yeah, you. Feel it. Right now, like if you put uh, into perspective the amount of things that you can productively do, mm-hmm. if you like silence your notifications just silence the notifications on your phone for example on my phone i everything that is related to social media i have it on a very far uh hidden folder folder, hidden (laughs) folder and every morning i turned off the notifications for eight hours and i hate is only eight hours Mm -hmm. the the apps only allow you to do it for only eight hours i think that's very stupid what okay let's actually jump back into the timeline a little bit Mm -hmm. so you uh so you were here and then you're in mexico and then you came back here yes why pick up from pick up from leaving mexico yeah you lived there for five years and uh i mean you had a career there right and and it's still it's still around i mean it all contributes to your career but um but you know you were on lots of shows and stages and you were very very busy yes um doing different different kinds of work than you do here right now. What what made you leave? Okay. It's such a process because <laughs> okay. When I was doing her spray, um I was 20 27 years old. Um I've never had the feeling of becoming a mother mm. you know like yeah. I, I, I the was maternal like, drive yeah instinct. never and, got baby hungry and yeah. no and through <laughs> my family's process by example i was like hell no i want to be a mother i don't want to bring clone more of this dna <laughs> <laughs> you're like enough enough here enough it ends is with me enough we're not <laughs> trespassing really like this all this emotional trauma and in mm. their dna so it's over <laughs> and um while doing her spray i was mother mouth mabel and i was a mother mm. i was a mother of two kids and 
I was, I did hairspray for a year and a half, six shows a week. So one day during the middle of all this, um, mind you, I had a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I was having a long distance relationship. He was here in Utah. I was there in Mexico. I would come every so often, every three months I was here for two weeks and then I will go back. Mm-hmm. And then in the midst of, uh, um, <laughs> being mother mouth Mabel, uh, one day I, something tells me, Mandy, I know, I don't know if this is crazy. Okay. I'm massaging my boobs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Feeling it. You know, this is crazy, guys. I'm sorry, but okay. Go for it. Okay. I'm massaging my boobs with almond oil to avoid stretch marks. Okay. okay. Gotcha. So in the middle of massaging my yeah. boobs, something tells me to squeeze them. Okay. And when I squeeze them, milk comes out. No. I knew you were going to like this. No, I've heard about this, though. I even heard that there's like actually like a very small, small slice of men who can lactate because apparently... If you just like expose yourself enough and like it, it can happen. It's rarer for men, right? Way rarer, but it can happen where like if you expose yourself to enough, if you get some estrogen in and you expose yourself to enough like baby hungry hormones, basically like enough kids, like you can actually start to lactate. And you no way. So, yes. Was that I'm one of them? <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, I freaked out, yeah. of course, because it wasn't even like. What is that? The, you were so ma- you were method acting milk. a mother to the it max. It was milk, milk, milk. It wasn't like yeah. the, the little thing. No, it was white and whatever. Yeah. I went to the doctor. They checked on me and they're like, "It's all in your head." Really? It's like, all. It's yeah. like you're being a mother. It's you're 28 years yeah. old. You are experiencing some yeah. stuff internally you look fine inside look they did a uh ultrasound uh-huh. like there's like, no you're, not pregnant, you're so. fine girl like crazy yeah so oh that. man i've only heard about that <laughs> that's so wild that's not what i wanted to tell that's you so crazy. No. no thanks for sharing i'm glad you did i'm glad you did but so like you so that put into perspective yeah. my where i was at you know like mm. wait a minute um, could I be this person? My body's asking for it. So I finished my contract and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to Utah and I'm going to spend time with my, uh, we were even married, yeah. you know? Oh, you were married. Uh, yeah, we were married. Mm-hmm. We eloped. Mm. Um, I'm going to spend time with him, but it was very, it was a very weird relationship. Yeah. So long it, we were married, but we were like boyfriend, girlfriend, long distance. So mm. when I came, I was like, I want to give this a try, you know, cause kind of, he will guilt me a little bit about like, wait a minute, but like, what about your life? You, you're a woman. Don't you want a family? Do you, you mm. want goals? Do you think being a singer and, and acting and being on the road all the time, like, where is that going to, like, mm-hmm. you're, you're about to be a 28, like, what are you doing? And that even got in me. I was, yeah. okay, so I guess. Did you have any other creative mentors at this point? Because I know that, I mean, the piano teacher's long gone Yeah, no, point. he's long gone. I, I did. I, I had. Uh, Maybe the director of the Broadway yeah, play? Yeah, one of, one of my teachers from the reality TV show 
became very close to me and and guided me musically and spiritually mm. uh, through my journey in Mexico. I did have an amazing support system in Mexico uh, through friends and through everything. Nice. But I left all that. Mm -hmm. To come here. To come here. The boyfriend who wasn't as supportive. With the boyfriend that wasn't as yeah. super Bo supportive. Yeah. And then uh, three <laughs> months later, he was cheating on me. Bro. Or I realized that he was with someone else. Yeah. Which, I, pff, come on, I've been five years in Mexico. <laughs> like, were, you, were you guys together that long? Five years? We were together nine. Yeah, nine years. That's a yes. long time. Yes. He did start cheating until you came back. No, I realized that he was pretty much cheating for a long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the same person. And he wasn't supportive of you as an artist, right? No, well. he found it very stupid. He's like, it's just very stupid that you think you're going to make it as no, an artist. I like, why don't you get stupid. you a normal job? How's that? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, you know what? It actually, <laughs> the more he said, it's very stupid what you're doing. That's when I packed my shit and I left to Mexico. Yeah. You know, so it kind of, I took it as a, a drive for me, although I was, it, it's mutilation, you know, mm -hmm. like it's <laughs> staying with someone that hurts you like mm -hmm. this and still willingly stay, but still oh, yeah. do whatever you want in terms of your career, but still taking that beating. Yeah. When I was seeing a, a therapist, when I was going through my divorce, he gave me a scale of basically like happiness scale. And he was like, you know, who's ha happy couples? <laughs> Happy singles, <laughs> unhappy singles, and then at the very bottom, unhappy couples. Because if you're in a relationship and you're unhappy together, you guys will, it will, you have so much power that you can really drag each other down, more so than being unhappy single, right? Yes. And that was something that I realized. I was like, oh, I would rather be single and unhappy, happy or unhappy. I'd rather be single than, than how unhappy this relationship is. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's kind of stuck with me. And I think about that sometimes. I'm like, you know, the relationship that you're in can impact a lot, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. That's not fun. So you were back here. I was back and here and then broken hearted. Probably performing with the symphony. <laughs> but were you performing at the symphony and stuff? Were you performing um, at this point? I just I started working. Um, let's see what I was doing. Oh, I came back and I work for a Motown show. Mm -hmm. Started working for a Motown show. Uh, that at the time it was becoming very popular around and it was it was very fun to do so yeah I did that for maybe a couple of years and singing here and there um, but it was as soon as I moved back a, a couple of months later is when we broke up and I realized this so mm. yeah I was very broken so and a I fresh was start in yes. a way because yes, you had left Mexico and then came here and the relationship ended too. So totally yes. fresh again. Totally fresh for three months. And then I was in a party and I met someone mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with me. The only thing that we had in common is our nationalities. Mm -hmm. He was Dominican. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you see that thing of a rebound, but then I got stuck. Ah. Uh, I got stuck for three years. Oh, and no. And that's where bro bloody 
broken, broken, broken bloody, bloody heart, heart comes yeah. from. And that relationship, probably, I mean, a broken bloody heart came from it. So it sound, probably was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. I was very numb by yeah. my pre previous relationship. I was um, artistically, I didn't know what to do uh, with myself. I was just turning 30 and mm -hmm. like my life was rocking it was crazy my life yeah. it, it, everything was rocking my world he was not was he supportive of you did he he was supportive he, of he liked my artistry but he didn't like the attention that brought oh. to me because he was a very extremely uh possessive jealous person mm, yikes yes uh there was a lot of domestic abuse mm. involving there and a lot of abuse in so many different ways. Mm. I have a more pain. Yes, more pain. Yeah. I I have a very strong temper. Like my mm. personality is very strong. So when I say domestic ab abuse, I'm I'm I take it kind of different because at this point we were hitting each other. Right. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So it was very Just toxic. It was very toxic. It got to a point that I had to. Um, sleep with scissors or knives under my pillow That's i had so to scary. i had to sleep with my purse next to me because he was stealing money from me and uh i was very stuck emotionally uh economically and artistically mm. and I didn't know how to voice all of it. And I was uh, very ashamed because of my mm -hmm. my personality. Uh, although I had all this like, oh, whatever, sad moments in my life. I, I've always like stood up and you be are like, no, you don't, you don't let nobody do this to you. Or you don't do this, da, da, da. And to be in that position, it made me very, very embarrassed uh, to open up, you know, because mm -hmm. I was the friend that would tell you, hey, like, you don't, don't let him treat you. Don't like let that. him treat you like this. Yeah. And then I am so far into this rabbit hole of abuse and toxicity that I didn't know how to yeah. speak up. Yeah. And, and it probably I hear. I mean, I, I I've been in not great relationships, but they've never gotten quite too well. Not not quite <laughs> not quite like that. Not quite like that. Not quite not quite that bad, right? Um, but there was like emotional abuse and then maybe like he threw a couple things at me or something, you know? And that was like, that, but that was it. Right. And, and I remember being like, Oh, that, uh, I, I remember not even thinking that was abuse to be honest. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't honestly till later when I was like, Oh, that, that is actually, that is actually abuse. Yes. Is that kind of where you were? Like, did you just not see it when you're in it? Um, cause that happens. I, it's so crazy, but it happens. I didn't see it as a, as an abuse. Yeah. I, I, Struggles your way, I saw it as more of, oh, I'm just defending myself mm -hmm. in the moment. You know, That's I didn't see it. But this person didn't only just physically abused me or abused of his powers. Uh, mentally, like, um, it was a lot of paranoia on my part because, like, he will leave the house and then... I will hear footsteps around the house to check if I was talking on the phone or if oh, I just took a shower and he just came home. He'd be like, why you just took a shower? What were you doing? And that would start this whole thing. And he was a lie. 
So mm. it was a lot and I didn't have uh the support of my family. They yeah. they they didn't see it as urgent or as extreme as I mm. was seeing it. And, and I couldn't probably, were you kind of hiding it too? Because I was hiding it, but but then his personality was so obvious because yeah. he also had issues with alcohol and everything oh. every now and then that comes out no, matter no where it you comes are. out yeah. everybody knew yeah. uh the type of person but i for real so like i didn't feel like i mattered so that quiet me even more mm. you know until it was three years it was three years that I had no freaking idea how the hell I was going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I I booked a flight to Mexico City and I told him, hey, look, uh, I have this opportunity to go and record a couple of songs in Mexico. I'm not doing anything. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be during the holiday season. Did that, did that opportunity make you excited again? Like give you some, maybe some The opportunity was not to? there. I was what? lying. Oh. I was oh, I did. I somehow did not pick up on that. For a second, I thought no. you were real. The opportunity was nothing. You, I had me. a friend. My friend told me like, you can crash on my couch until you yeah. get rid you of this. You just had to get out of the relationship. I had to get that out of there. Sense. Mandy, like for reals, like I... I played it and I, I I was like, I need to save my life. And even if he hears this today, he knows that I needed to save my life. Yeah. And he probably needed to save his too. But um I I remember I, I got into that car. He took me to the airport. And you see when you're walking on eggshells, but you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you're like, if you follow these steps and if you don't breathe too heavily, if you just like walk very light, you're going to make it to the, to the airport. The airport for me meant the start of freedom, meant freedom, Mm -hmm. you know? So he took me to the airport and he was driving a hundred miles per hour (laughs) And I, I still have footage of that because I recorded it. Yeah. Recorded the so road because I knew that he was going to yeah. try to crash the car. And I wanted people to know how I died. So we, we made it to the airport and the recording stopped at the moment I made it to the airport. I took my bags out and I left to Mexico and I broke up with him from there. Um, I didn't care about our apartment. I didn't care about anything we had. I only care about the bag that I had with yeah, me. You were alive. And I stayed in Mexico for a, a month and a half. By the time I came back, uh, he was gone. Mm. And it was my time yeah. to start figuring shit out. Yeah. So, yeah. You needed that break. Another reset. Another, Another reset. freaking that, reset. That's and that's when this whole TED talk uh, yeah. was inspired by. It was that time that I took a complete year off. I completely removed myself from music, from people, social networks, friends, everything. I shut everything down. Mm-hmm. Everything. 
um, even my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just focus on me. Survival. I started running every day. I started running every day. I lost 83 pounds. Wow. By running every day. It was hard. It, it, it gave me so much appreciation for our bodies and for my body and for impatience and gave me a better perspective that once something again has been broken it takes so much of you to kind of like find the way or whatever way it is whatever way that brings you release and i guess just my dad used to take us uh, jogging every morning and we needed to it was so awesome to feel the power of my body and then after that experience me with 83 pounds over I was trying to run and I couldn't run from the house to the corner without feeling like I was gonna die mm-hmm. so I made running my purpose and then uh, now I can run six miles Nice. It's way, way more than I can do. I get that dry mouth and I'm like, oh. It is so hard. It like, is so hard. But I needed, I needed that. So it gave me a better, uh, pers- by doing that and finding That's that awesome. silence time to kind of like focus into just running past that corner. Um, it helped me hear my beat again yeah. and how my heart beats. You, you almost I forgot. needed a break. I didn't. Yeah. And from music. Do you think you needed that? Yes. Like, it's necessary. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's necessary. Um, cause then it gets too loud. Then you don't have perception. Yeah. Then you don't know what's the difference on. You don't know the difference. Right. Yeah. What is, um, what do you wish you had known when you were first starting out? Like, what would you go back and tell 17-year-old or 27-year-old Jasmine or Jazzy? What would you tell her? What would I tell her? Um, I would tell her that she that she's stronger than what she thinks. That she 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 got it, you know. Um. Just to keep going, I think I don't know if I would change anything that she went through. Yeah. Um, although it's who who wishes people to have like a, such a, a crazy life in a in a way, but I think I wouldn't change it because um, I would tell her that there will be a point in her life that she will feel like everything will have a meaning for it. Yeah. Um, and I have felt that. Yeah. I have felt that. Good. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Is there any parting, uh, like parting advice you'd want to give other, other artists, other creatives, something that kind of sums up? I think there is not a, a formula for anything or there is not um how do you call it? Like there is nothing that you will do or that others did that will definitely work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I can possibly tell someone that it's pursuing this is to, to sit in silence and 
fill themselves to try to find a balance of what you hear outside that can be a motive of inspiration for you and drive to accomplish and to create more ideas, but also go back to your nature, mm. your nature of your silence and your beat and your feelings and, and all that. Cause sometimes, or most of the times that's more important than what you mm. can actually be influenced by yeah uh is more genuine it's yours and nobody can take that from you so mm. doing that and i guess all of us um struggle with this and it's putting our our out our art out there yeah um i get it is a very frightening thing to do because it's so personal but um i guess Everything I've done till this point, I've done done it in fear. Yeah. But I still do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, no. Okay, I did it. I was like, I skipped the button. Ah! <laughs> so yeah, I guess just fill yourself and and try to collaborate with other people and try yeah. to to feel present as much as you can yeah. and to take some time off and fill yeah. yourself. That's very important. G give yourself some space, right? Because we look we try to fill the space and the time with noise. We try to, yeah. you know, sometimes people have a hard time just being with just themselves. Yeah. And, and we, we tend to compare yeah. uh, everything that we do to other people and we don't see how much of, of, of that, of being an individual and being one person different than other people we don't understand how magical is that and i guess i'm saying this because i also have to hear it um because we also also always doubt that you know like always compare what everybody's journeys and and all this stuff and and resources that other people have yeah and awareness and impact and influence yeah things we can look at so yeah try to take everything with a a little bit of salt and a little mm. bit of sugar mm. Mm. i like that i like that a lot yeah i do kind of want to wrap up a little bit yeah uh with the timeline because i know we we kind of left off you know you 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 basically ran survival mode to mexico yeah got almost like sober from the relationship almost right because that yep. has just been like dragging you down you come back and and i mean the last few years you've been making a lot of music here yeah um i know you had your band the mix and i know yeah. courtney was a part of that yeah um the musical fusion that you guys have is, yeah it's, it's, it's beautiful it's an experience uh, i was really lucky lucky to see you guys a few times hmm. and um uh, the Mix is a Latin jazz fusion band. Um, you could probably still check out some of their stuff. And then you can yes. also check out Jazzy, yes. who's doing her solo work now, too. And yes. she's got an album upcoming. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't maybe. even know. You know, at some point, at some point, at the very least, you could go listen to her EP yes. online right now. Yes. And I highly recommend it. It will be super cool. Um, I'm trying to, to bring out, well, Let's put it together. My music was going to come as a form of EP, and that was the whole intention this year. But 
after what has happened in my life with Courtney, that it's my partner, musical mm-hmm. partner, things have, it's a lot different mm-hmm. now, you know? And, and that's, uh, you're still in that right I now. I am in the middle. You're in the middle of I'm it. In the, in the middle of it. <laughs> I'm yeah. in the middle of all this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm in the middle mm-hmm. of our creative process as well. I'm, I'm trying to see what is my creative path now. Mm-hmm. And, and for that, I, I, I do need silence, but at the same time, I need to release what I have and what mm. it was, um, ready to come out. So probably by the time you guys hear this, you will be able to hear some of, um, what we worked, uh, that was ready to be released and part of an EP, but now it's going to be in forms of, um, singles mm-hmm. And, and Courtney's work is on it too. And right? yeah, yeah, Courtney's most, uh, mm. is on it too. And and there's more stuff that we were working all 2020 that was gonna come after this yeah. stuff. So yeah, there is a lot of music on my part um, to release. Uh, of course, music has a different meaning now. Yeah. And even my words have a different meaning. So um. I'm working in in my process how to to present my process in the most uh, honest way, yeah. and yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's where you're at now. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Taking yeah. that time. Yeah. Taking mm-hmm. that time. You know what? I think that that is fully something you can and should do. <laughs> I think it is so hard. It is so hard because at the same time, I do want to keep on showing my music because this is what I've done my entire life. So it's, um, I, I do have to battle when I say silence, it's not that I turn everything down and I'm like, okay, good. It's hard for me to start turning off things. Um, but it, is there is there sometimes an impulse to throw yourself into your work, you know, yeah. to just overbook yourself? Yep. I'm going to have shows every weekend for the next, you know, three months. Has Did, did that impulse kind of come up a little bit? Yes. Yeah. Um, it helped me through this process. Um, with Courtney, I've had several shows after he hasn't, he's been gone. And mm-hmm. and it, it, it gave me a, a reality check also on me as an artist, like, who am I now? Like, how do mm-hmm. I, do I still, am I a singer? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, who am I? Because you guys developed art together for yes. a while, a yes. long time. How, how long How long were you guys together? Uh, seven years. Seven years. Yeah, we created... Him on the keys, you on the voice. Him on the keys, keys me yeah. on the voice, and... Creating our future, our band, his personal uh, independent project, my project, and collaborating with other people. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, parallel with that, we were doing our lives, you yeah, know, creating yeah. a family eventually. And, and being and in love, stuff. not just creative collaboration, but also yeah. partner partners. Yeah, no, I met... That's why when you ask, like, what would you say that 17-year-old? Like, no... Everything, okay, if the ending point was meeting Courtney, give me 300 of what I got in my life before meeting him. You know what I mean? Because when you meet your soulmate, 
is a whole different idea, mm. is a whole different feeling, is a whole different meaning of the air is different. And people Did your creativity go up too? Like because you sat off each other. I became I was able to finally breathe and mm. embrace me. And he was able to do that because when we met each other, we were in a very um, hard times of our lives, you know, where we both felt like we didn't really mean anything to anyone or we at this point in our lives, we haven't even experienced what it was real, unconditional, true love. And when we first saw each other, it was like, what in the heck, you know? And we tried to fight it, you know, like we met each other and we didn't talk mm -hmm. to Did each other. Did you guys other. meet in like, probably met in a professional like we music setting, We met in right? Motown. Yeah. We met doing Motown. <laughs> it was instant attraction. Yeah. Um, but we didn't really talk for, with each other for a year because yeah. we were too scared of each other. And I was finishing <laughs> really that cute. crazy relationship. So I took that year off. I canceled everything. You needed time In the to meantime, decompress. he was probably going wouldn't through. have been ready, you know? No, he was he going wasn't through ready it. either. And then we met each yeah. other and he was, we were inseparable. Yeah. Uh, I say until this day. Yeah. Um, he's part of my life. He's yeah. in me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still discovering this new jazzy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that that's really hard to. I, I know I know you've lost a big chunk of, of a life that's really beautiful, really important to you. Um, I think that you 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 give it a great honor, though. Mm. I think you do. I think you give it a great honor in, in how you continue to live your life. I think that the art that you and Courtney made together uh, is a gift that keeps giving. To kind of sum it up, mm. and I and I'm I'm very excited to see where you go, Jazzy. I. I, I know you're in a you're in a year of a reset again, so it's a, a big question mark. Yeah. Um, but kind of like how you were saying earlier, your philosophy is that it's all very additive. You know, yeah. you the pain in your life has brought you here, along with everything else that you've experienced. Yeah. And you know, I think that there's there, there's a lot of um, I don't know what. I think that there's just inherent beauty in that because I think that there's inherent beauty in, in life and, and in you and in the art that you give and share with other people. Thank you. I wasn't supposed to be here. My dad fought for me. My dad put my mom into a very hard position and said, if you want to continue being with me, I want to create something with you. Mm. And I was born. Mm. So I am his creation. Mm -hmm. He wanted me here. So I just keep on doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on today, Jazzy. Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much. I had a good time. Oh, and thank too. you for taking me, me out too. of the house. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear your insights <laughs> and your story. Jazzy's passion and authenticity just shines through her work in life. And I admire her resilience, tenacity, and moving music. You can follow Jazzy on Instagram at Jazzy Olivo, and now I'm going to play a piece of the live version of her newest single, Broken Bloody Heart, which you can finish listening to wherever you get your tunes.
You say you wanna be with me But don't get home till three You smell of cigarette perfume And you haven't called in weeks You claim you gave me all this joy and happiness And kisses of all time But then I look around at the mess you made All I can say I'm left with your broken bloody heart To keep up with Heartbreakers, follow us at Heartbreakers Podcast on Instagram and check out the show notes at heartbreakerspodcast.com. Episodes release weekly on Tuesday and there's so much more to come. In the words of comedian and cartoonist Dimitri Martin, Earth without art would just be eh. Thank you for tuning in to Heartbreakers. <laughs>